Good morning, Firewall Bible Fellowship. How are we doing? Good morning. Hi, Penis. How y'all doing? Nice to see y'all. Well, it is March 28th, 2021. It is the only March 28th, 2021. So let's stand together. We're going to worship our hearts out, right? We're going to do it together. And we are going to let our praises rise to heaven, as the psalmist says, because Father in heaven is worthy of our worship. The Lord Jesus Christ is worthy of our worship. And as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what we're going to do? We're going to worship. All right, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Father, we declare that you are creator, we are created. And in that posture, Lord, we surrender before you. We recognize that you are sovereign over history. You are sovereign over our story. You are sovereign over our salvation story. Lord, you foreknew us before the foundation of the earth. You predestined us to be your children before we took a first breath. You called us that effectual call that from the heart we knew it was from you. You drew us into a true relationship. You justified us through the shedding of your son's blood. Lord Jesus, you took our sin and you have given us your righteousness by faith. And in that righteousness, we stand and we proclaim, we worship you. Because in your word, we are told that we are as good as glorified. We are holy and righteous before you, Lord. And we pray that you continue that work of salvation as we grow spiritually together. May you be pleased and honored with our worship. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, ready to rock this joint. Good morning.
sun goes down. Love him in the morning, love him in the noontime, love him when the sun goes down. Good night, oh.
can sing when I lose my step and I fall down again. I can sing cause you pick me up. Sing cause you're there. I can sing cause you hear me Lord when I call to you in prayer. I can sing with my last breath. Sing for I know.
Join us for a special Good Friday service, April 2nd at 6 p.m. Easter Sunday, we will have our 9.30 in-person Bible studies and one Sunday morning service at 11 a.m. with children's ministry available for first grade and younger. Second through fifth grade will attend the worship service with their families. The service will also be streamed in the Great Room, which will be set up as a family room for those with young children. As always, our Good Friday and Easter Sunday services will be streamed live on BoxCast, YouTube, and Facebook. And you can find the link at firewheelfellowship.com. Firewheel Women, come and get connected or reconnected at the Spring Fling, April 17th at 11 a.m. Bring a gently used purse to give and a sweet or savory snack to share. Sign up at the lobby kiosk by April 14th. For more information, email women at firewheelfellowship.com. April 10th, Firewheel will be serving with King's Closet, a clothing ministry benefiting the homeless in Dallas. Come sort clothing for those in need every second Saturday of the month from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Contact Michelle Smith at 214-505-1077 for details and directions. For everything else Firewheel, you can go online to firewheelfellowship.com or you can always check us out on social media. Nice. Well, good morning. How's everyone? We are all together again. It is Sunday, March 28th, 2021. It is the only one you're going to get, and we're starting it together. Man, this is a big deal. So let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. Word. There is a word that our children learn very, very early. Uh, a little bit after dada, that was kind of the common uh, trend in the Carroll household. Our kids learned dada, not because I'm more important, but because I think I, it's just easier to say. Then came mama. Then came the word no. <clears throat> and then my favorite word, uh, mine. Mine. Where this, these beautiful bundles, these little cherubs of joy, became these tyrants of self-will. And the intensity, by the way, only increased as we added more children. It got louder. Those are my Legos. Those are my clothes. Those are my candies. Those are my pine cones. Those are my rocks. Those are my sticks. And I would love to tell you that that all ends at toddlerhood. <clears throat> but the reality is it doesn't. It just continues on into our adult life. In fact, we live in a world that is saturated and consumed with mine. That's mine. That's my house. That is my property line. That is my car, my boat, my RV, my property. That's my lane. How insane, by the way, is that? Is it really your lane? I mean, really? Traveling 75 miles an hour? That little piece of real estate that you're passing over at a split second, is that yours? Do you own that? <laughs> yes. That's my retirement, mine, mine, mine. But something uh, really and rather profound was happening in the early church that was so different than anything else that was happening in the world. Like there was transformation that was taking place in the community, and it didn't make any sense. And we've seen this over the past few weeks. The church was, was being moved. This group of people who gave their life and faith to Jesus and then became a part of the community. They were moved from me, that it's all about me, to then it's about we, us, 
together. And as we're going to see this morning, the, the people were then being moved from mine to ours. We're going to see very much an open-handed approach to life. So in view of open-handedness, can we please stand together? I really appreciate you standing with me on Sunday morning to pray because we're asking the Lord to provide for us our needs. So Lord, this morning we have our hands open and figuratively and symbolically, Lord, our lives are in our hands and, and Lord, we don't have clenched fists. We have our hands open. We recognize that you are sovereign over everything, including our very life, down to our very breath. And Lord, we, we have an obsession with our stuff and we tend to wrap our hands around it. And so this morning, we're going to ask that you would open our hands that as we, we place everything before you, we pray, place before you this sermon, this message, we ask that you would take it, that you would bless it and break it, and that you would provide to each of us as we have a spiritual need. And that our hearts would be opened and our ears would be open, and we would be ready to receive from you because you're the giver of all good things. You, you nourish us at a level that our stuff just can't. You nourish us at our souls. And so, Lord, this morning we ask for a soul-nourishing message. We ask that it would bring about a greater sense of spiritual life in us and through us, and that others would look in and would see real transformation. And so we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. So as we saw, please be seated. As we saw in the message, the, the messages over the past few weeks, we, we have looked at this concept from me to we, and, and we, we were looking at verse 42 of chapter 2 of Acts. So if you have your Bible, turn there, Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 42 just kind of as a recap of where we've been, and then we're going to continue through to verse 47 this morning just so you have an idea of where we are headed. In verse 42, we, we come to discover that the early church, they were devoted. They were a devoted people, and they were devoted together, and they were devoted to some very specific things. In fact, last week we looked at them, and these are what, are, what I will call the four pillars. The Scripture tells us they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And so we looked at four pillars— the apostles' teaching, which is the Scripture, we devote ourselves to the Scripture. Then comes the fellowship, which is the gathering together in Christ-centered community. That is what we do here every single week. We are gathering together. And then flowing from that comes this fellowship of prayer and of the breaking of bread. And we, we looked at that last week, but I want to show you that Firewheel Bible Fellowship, this isn't just the foundation of the early church, this is the foundation of our church. I want you to see, this is our mission statement. This is why we exist. And I had some folks ask me last week, you referenced the mission statement and core values. What are those? Well, they're found on our website, but I want to show you here this morning. This is our mission if you choose to accept, right? Our mission as Firewheel Bible Fellowship is to reach the least likelies. Let's begin with Jesus. Can we start there? Amen? Can we amen that? And when I say least likelies, I put myself in that category because that's who and what I was. I was a least likely. When pre a person looked in at my life, they would not have thought, this is a likely person who's going to give their life to Jesus. This is a least likely. And so our mission is to reach the least likelies. That is the heartbeat of Christ in and through Firewheel, through sound biblical teaching, intentional discipleship and, and loving community. Y'all, that's our foundation. That's what we do, okay? So this is not like an idealized mission statement, but this is actually what is found here, okay? We are reaching the least likelies with Jesus. We are founded on sound biblical teaching. That is why every Bible study is going to be solid biblical teaching. How many of y'all were in a Bible study this morning? Was it good sound biblical teaching? Yeah! yeah. We got great teachers, don't we? 
Yeah, absolutely. Sound biblical teaching, intentional discipleship. You plug in here, you're going to grow. And looking at loving community prayer, one thing that I, I mentioned last week is that we are a church of prayer, and I neglected to mention our prayer ministry. That we actually have prayer warriors who pray over you and for you every single week. Prayer requests that we receive, we pray over them. We actually have a room dedicated to prayer. It's the one room nobody knows about. It's literally a room set apart for prayer, where throughout the service and throughout the morning, we are being prayed for. How's that? If you have prayer requests, if you got something on your heart, go to the prayer room. It's a quiet, intimate place, and you'll run into a prayer warrior who's going to pray with you and for you, loving community. Everywhere you look, you're going to find that. That's who and what we are as a church, and we're deriving that directly from the scriptures. And as we saw last week, a church that builds itself on that type of foundation will we'll see the Holy Spirit move in power. So look at Acts chapter 2, verse 43. So a devoted people, devoted to specific things and surrender before the Lord, look at what happened. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Y'all, the word awe, <laughs> it's awesome. It is a word that means a feeling of deep respect and fear and wonder, kind of all mixed up together. You see, God was moving in power in the early church, and everyone could see it. Everyone who was a part of it, and everyone who was looking in on it. In fact, people looking in on it, they may not have agreed with the message. They may not have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they could testify that there was the power of God at work in that church. They could not deny that God was moving in power. There was something in the church that couldn't be found anywhere else. And I'm going to tell you right now, it wasn't the coffee. We have a weird obsession in the church to try to attract people with things that are found out there. Do you realize we have something that isn't found anywhere else? We got to quit trying to attract people with stuff that everyone else has outside these doors. We need to start reaching people with what we've got. We have the life-saving message of the Lord Jesus Christ that raises the dead from the grave, that sets free those who are in captive and in bondage. We have the life-nourishing Word of God. That's what we have right here. And we got okay coffee. Is that right? <laughs> we have great coffee. The, our uh, coffee shop ministry, they typically sit over here, and so they are very proud of their coffee. We got good coffee, don't we? Yeah, but you know what? We got a great Jesus, and that's what we have here in this place. And you know what? There's great coffee everywhere, but what we have here ain't found nowhere else. And it's made with love, that's right. There was power in that place. There's power in this place. When Christians gathered together, God was among them, and specifically, it was the, the apostles who were empowered for these works. Now, I want you to understand something, that today there are many people that call themselves apostles, and they say they got power to do all kinds of things. I'm going to tell you, majority of them are charlatans and thieves. They use it as a means of making money. They trick people. They deceive people. But sometimes we look at that and we go, well, maybe God doesn't move in power today we don't necessarily see that specific anointing of the apostles, but I'm going to tell you right now, the miraculous movement of God is not a thing of the past. Do not believe that lie. God still moves in power. In fact, hear this, the Holy Spirit moves in power when believers come together. And I want to add two words to that. 
Because the more that I thought about that, it's absolutely true. The Holy Spirit moves in power when believers come together. And I'm going to add the two words, in faith. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit moves in power when believers come together in faith. And this is what I have personally seen. The spiritually sick are saved. Broken families are restored. Marriages are healed. The chains of addiction are broken. The spiritually dead are raised to life. The selfish become selfless. The proud become humble. The fearful are filled with faith. The lost are found. And the least likely are reached with Jesus. Do not tell me that God doesn't move in power today because he does. And yes, I am feeling this message this morning. Because <laughs> here's what I know. I've experienced the power of God in my life. Don't tell me God doesn't move in power. God has raised up this drugged out, drunked out, homeless wanderer like me and turned me into a faithful husband, father, and pastor. If he can do that, he can do anything. If he can take our broken marriage, and I assure you, my marriage at times has been absolutely broken in the ass heap. It was hopeless. If he can raise that marriage back up to life, he can save your marriage. A guy came by my office this week. Oh, man. And he started to share his story. And as I listened, I started thinking, I don't know, man. It's pretty hopeless. And, and I, I was listening to him, and, and I began to fill with doubt in my mind, and I was like, this is kind of a lost cause. And then he pulled out his cell phone. Oh, my gosh. And he played something for me, a preacher preaching. And, uh, and what was funny uh, was the preacher was me. It's the first time I've had this happen. Here, I'm going to try to play this in such a way you can hear it. Wives don't give up. Can y'all hear that? Hold on. Husbands, wives don't give up. Don't quit. We're too quick to quit. And we, we want to have the, the 30 year marriage, but we want it in 30 minutes. It's always too quick to quit. It hammered my soul. Because here I am, and I'm sitting with a guy, and I'm thinking, this is a lost cause. And two weeks prior, I'm saying nothing's a lost cause. Who am I to say that something is a lost cause? I'm not God. I'm not the Savior of the world. Who am I? A literal recipient of the miraculous work of God. I was a lost cause. Who am I to say that God is not going to move in power in true and tangible ways? Who am I to say that God can't take the most least likely situation and raise it up? Isn't that where God gets the most glory? He doesn't get the most glory in the sort of likelies or the really likelies. He gets the total glory in the least likelies. In those situations that are the impossible, when he brings about the miraculous work, who gets the glory for that? He does. And so as I sat with him, I looked at him and, and I just stopped and I said, you know what, I'm going to believe with you this week. I'm just going to believe with you. And we bowed our heads and we prayed. 
And we prayed for God to move in power. And so this morning, I don't know whatever it is, that you may have an impossible situation going on in your life. You may have a lost cause going on in your life. You may be looking at it and you're like, this is the least likely. I do not, I don't know how God, there's no way it's, it's written off or whatever. Maybe you're looking in on it or maybe it's in your own life. But I'm going to tell you something. I am going to believe with you this week. I am going to believe with you. I'm going to believe that God can move in power and that there will be awe, awe of him worship of him. Look what God has done. And so this week, I'm going to believe with you. And so to that end, I'm just going to ask that we close our eyes. If you've got an impossible situation this morning, I'm not even going to look. Just raise your hand, and I'm going to pray over you and with you. Lord, we are raising our hands because we got impossible stuff in our life right now. We got some lost causes and some least likelies. And Lord, we believe that we believe that there is power in your name, Lord Jesus. We believe that you still move in power. We believe by faith we are not going to say something is a lost cause. There is no one or no thing that is totally a lost cause, not when you're in the equation. And so today we are going to believe, I'm going to believe that in your timing, you are going to bring about your perfect will. We're going to trust in your power this morning. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. I believe with you this week. Acts 2.44, and all the believers were what? All who believed were what? They were together. Y'all, when I see that, I love that we're called believers. What are we believers in? We are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We have absolute truth. We believe that the Word of God is the absolute truth. Through this, we discover who and what God is and who and what we are. We discover the path of salvation, true eternal life. We discover wisdom, how we live our life. We build our life on this Word. Our life will not crumble and fall in the storms. Y'all, we are believers. We are not believers in CNN or Fox News. We are not believers in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. We are not believers in the economy or culture because they are not the source of absolute truth. We are believers in Jesus and his perfect word. And, and here's, what, here's what's crazy, family. You know what happens when believers, true believers, spend time together? Guess what happens to our faith? It grows. Our belief and our faith, it grows. What happens when a believer stops meeting with other believers? It dies. Why? Because check this out, family. Together is faith food. Together is faith food. When we are together, when we are in the scriptures together, our faith grows. It's spiritual bread and drink. Without together, our faith starves. There are way too many believers to say, uh, today that say, yes, I believe, but I don't go to church. I don't spend time with other believers. And I'm going to tell you right now, the early church knew of no such faith. They wanted to spend time together. They looked forward to it. I mean, they got up and they were like, yes! I get to go spend time with other believers. And sometimes it can feel like, ah, oh, Sunday... I guess, let's just go to church. Wouldn't it be amazing if we woke up and we're like, yes! We get to go to church today! And we walked in and we're like, high five, high five, yeah, we're here together. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because this is where the spiritual life is. 
And I want to tell you, I'm so proud of Firewell because we are coming back together. There is a work that is underway in this place. The Lord is moving in power. And, and I understand that some of us cannot be here on Sunday morning. And I recognize I'm speaking to you right now at home. And I've had some people share with me they feel kind of left out. Because some people, they work on Sundays, and they, and they, they want to be here with everything, but they, they, they square, they put aside time, and, and they, they take their break right around this time so they can be a part of the service. We love you. That's absolutely right. Some of us right now are not feeling very, very healthy, uh, are sick, and you're at home. We love you. Do we love you? Yeah, yeah let's say it. <laughs> yeah. Some of us are traveling right now, and they can't be here this morning. We love you, but here's what I know. We want to be here. We want to come together. We are excited when we arrive, and for you who are at home, I know with your whole heart, you want to be here, and in time you will be. Because what's happening here is significant. Listen to these verses. I love this. I'm just going to kind of rattle these off. Acts 1.14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. What's the word? Together. Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all, verse 43, and all who believed were, verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple, verse 24, when they heard it, they lifted up their voices, and when they prayed, the place where they had gathered was shaken, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 12, and they were all in Solomon's portico. There's power in together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, let us consider how to stir up. Let's think about this. Let's find ways to stir one another up, to, to love and good works. Let's cheer one another on. But to do that, guess what we have to be? Together. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day of what? His return. His return. And wouldn't it be wonderful if he returned and we were all together and we were able to say, Lord, we present to you this church. Together. And all the people were together and they had all things in common. We are now going to look at what I will call uncommon generosity because not only was the early church moving from me to we, they are now moving from mine to ours. This is a profound shift an underlying ethic. All who believed, verse 44, were together and they had all things in common. That does not mean they, they all agreed on everything. Like they all had the same sport, favorite sport team or whatever. They didn't have all that in common. They had something deeper. They didn't all agree, agree politically. They had something deeper. Listen to this. Verse 32 of Acts 4 really sheds light the full number of those who believed, listen to this, were of one heart and soul. What is that? It's Jesus. One heart, one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was their own, but they had everything in common. This is the open-handed approach to life. This isn't my stuff. This is God's stuff. This is our stuff. It boggles the mind. And when I look at this, it seems impossible, and it starts to really challenge my inner devotion. 
Because family, I am driven by mine. I love my stuff. I love my stuff so much I want your stuff. <laughs> mine. These idols of my heart. These things that I cling to, these things that I look to, to satisfy my soul. The only one who can satisfy my soul is the Lord, but it doesn't stop me from trying to seek satisfaction in all these other things. I know the scriptures tell me to not lay up for myself treasure on earth where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves break in and steal, but it's so shiny. I'm told to store up for uh, myself treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. What is happening here? The Lord is beginning to break my obsession. This lesser worship that is stealing my heart from him. I'm told in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, that godliness with contentment is great gain. Sometimes we look at that and we're like, godliness with great gain is contentment. That's not what it reads. We can be content with nothing, because in Jesus we have everything. It goes on to say, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. I assure you, you can't take anything with you. But if you have food and clothing with these, we will be content. How many of y'all have food and clothing this morning? So the scriptures tell us that we should be content with that. Goes on to say, but those who desire to be rich, I mean, that's somebody else, right? We don't desire to be rich. Isn't that our national obsession? We are the wealthiest nation on earth, and all we want is more. But those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The Lord does not want us falling into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I love how people will reference that. They're like, it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money, to which I'm like, we love money. <sighs> and it is the root of all evil. We kill for it. We steal for it. We manipulate for it. And everything that money can give us, and it's death to our spiritual life, it is through the craving that some have wandered away from the faith. Paul wrote that. People had literally wandered away from the faith seeking after riches, and it pierced them with many pangs. So what is the anecdote to our obsession with stuff and money? Generosity. Spiritual life is not complicated, but it does come at a cost. Verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, to the outside world, why would you take what you own and give it away to somebody else? I had a situation this week where uh, something came up, and somebody asked me to, to basically uh, reserve something, pay the payment, and they were going to go ahead and reimburse. And so we just, we paid for it, and I texted back. I said, it's all taken care of, date set, all good. And the reply was, okay, we need to make sure we get the reimbursement to you. I said, no, thank you, we're all good, all straight. Texted again, no, we have plenty of money, we want to make sure we get this to you. I texted back, no, thank you. To which the text came again, we want to reimburse you to the point where I just said, no, thank you, exclamation point. 
it doesn't make sense. When we're generous, it doesn't make sense. Because people will look in on that and they're like, why? What's the angle? What are you trying to get? What do you, and we realize, we step back and we go, nothing, we just want to be a blessing. This is a wonderful gift when we're a blessing. The early church, they were not like looking at it as like, look at what we're sacrificing. They're like, oh my gosh, look what Jesus has done. And they loved one another, and they took care of one another. And there was this unbelievable, generous spirit of brothers and sisters. It wasn't a huge sacrifice. They weren't just people they passed in the hallway or were acquaintances with. They were together, and you know what? They were 100% in. And I love these next few verses. It's, we are told that day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. It was a unique time, this utopic setting of the early church. They were always together. There was like this almost communal sense about it. But they were together. And you know when I read that, verse 47, it says, praising God and having favor. You know what this reminds me of? A home group. This reminds me of a life group or a cell group or a D group or whatever else the church labels these things. When Christians, this is going to sound crazy. When Christians actually get together with one another for the spiritual life. And they spend time together breaking bread, receiving food, glad and generous hearts, worshiping, fellowshipping, breaking bread, the scriptures. That's a home group. It's where Christians gather for true Christian fellowship in homes. That's what our life group is. There was a group that got together, a group of believers here at Firewell, and they decided, hey, we're going to have a home group, and they started getting together. They invited us, and we get, we get to go. I'm not the pastor of the life group. I just get to be a part of it. And we get to experience this stuff. And as I, I thought about this this week, we have tried over the years all kinds of means and mechanisms to get Christians to spend time with one another. We have hired staff with their only job of trying to get Christians to spend time with each other. We have developed all kinds of iterations and structures and plans. We've gone to conferences to learn how to better do life groups, all in an effort to get Christians to spend time together. And you know what the response has been? Crickets. So here's the deal. We're not going to try to do that anymore for you. It is not our responsibility to help you build relationships with people. That is your responsibility. You need to begin building relationships with other Christians. We can't do that. We can't, like, play matchmaker. That was what was so weird. We were trying to, like, make people like each other. <laughs> and I know we love all Christians, but some people we don't necessarily get along with. Is that right? We still spend time with them. So here's my challenge. If you do not have a group of believers that you spend regular time together in a home, I want to encourage you and challenge you to make some friendships here. Reach your hand out and say, hello, my name is? Oh, so nice to meet you. Would you like to have a meal? And, and here's what's crazy. For the past three years, we have provided this resource. Can you bring up? Yes, here it is. This is what's called a sermon buddy. Every single week, I not only prepare this message, but I prepare this, this series of discussion questions so that you can get together with a group of believers, go through the same passages we've studied, talk through the topics as we've studied them, and you can grow together for prayer and worship. 
We provide them at the doorway. We provide them online. They're available on our social media pages. And, uh, well, there you go. So you can take this, make some friendships, and invite people over to your home, and you can have a life group. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Believers getting together with other believers. And so uh, that was a little, little uh, direct, but here's what I want to say to you. Take some ownership. And then we can invest resources in other things. Because you as believers take responsibility to build relationships with other believers. Uh, I want you to uh, then look at what happened. Look at the end of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were what? Who was adding to their number? The Lord. The Lord was moving in power, adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I don't want us to miss this. The church is a life-saving organism or organization, however you want to call it. Think about that. Firewheel Bible Fellowship is situated at the crossroads of heaven and hell. That as we grow as a church and as we grow spiritually together, guess what happens? Day by day, the Lord adds to the church those who are being saved. What does that word saved mean? It means rescued from death. We get to be a part of that. That life-saving organism, this, this movement of God, that as he moves in and through us, there are those who are going to be saved. People are going to look in, and they're going to see. Neighbors are going to watch as other Christians come to your home, and they're going to look in and be like, who's that group of people you hang out with? Oh, it's just a group of folks from the church. You like spending time with people from the church? Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you come over for a meal. People will look in, and they will want what we have because we got something here that no one else has. So a few spiritual recommendations for us. One, miracle signs and wonders. I stole that from third day. Miracle signs and wonders are enough for me to prove. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's a great song. No one. There was three people that track it. Yeah. The Holy Spirit moves in power when believers come together in faith. Let's not believe the lie that the miraculous is impossible. The spiritually sick are saved. Broken families are restored. Marriages are healed. The chains of addiction and bondage are broken. The spiritually dead will be raised to life. The selfish will become more selfless. The proud more humble. The scared filled with faith. The lost are found and the least likely are welcomed into the kingdom of God. Because there is no one or no thing that is a complete lost cause, not in God's economy. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, we need to have greater faith of what God can do. And today, I will believe with you, whatever that is. Believe with one another, because we are what? What are we called? Believers. <laughs> Secondly, from mine to ours, 
Question for you, is it wrong to have possessions? No. Should you sell off everything and give the proceeds to the church? No. Should you give everything away to the poor? Well, there was this guy in the scriptures where Jesus did say that. And all of us are like, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I'm not that guy, right? Come on, pastor, tell me I'm not that guy. Here's an honest statistic. The average North American Christian spends more on coffee and snacks each day over the course of the year than they do in supporting the work of the church. I think what that means is we're clinging a little too tightly. There's so much we could do, really, if we joined our resources together so much. Like, for example, I just want to point this out. All of our sound and lighting equipment is 15 years old. We actually can't get people to work on it anymore. So there are some days where you'll come in and certain things won't be working, and the reason why is because we've used duct tape and wire. Uh, the projectors, so we can project, they're 15 years old. We literally can't get parts for this stuff. But there's, there's this reality where we don't really talk about that because we're like, well, it's hard because we're, you know, we're just trying every week to, to just meet budget, but that's so much money. And, uh, but then I'm like, what if we joined our resources together? We could, we could put in new equipment. How about a playground for the kids? Wouldn't that be wonderful? If we showed up and we had a beautiful playground outside, but you know what? They're expensive. And we've talked about it for years and prayed about it for years, but we've never really talked about it as a church. Wouldn't that be amazing if we just came together, joined our resources, and put in a park? So here's what we did. A friend of ours said they had a playground in their backyard. And it was about 10 years, 15 years old. But my thought was, hey, let's go get it because I'm a dumpster diver and I'm just going to go cut it down. I mean that in the most honest way. I really do. I love getting stuff on the cheap. And if it's free sitting outside, I got a chair in my office that I got out of a dumpster, which is why I'm being told to throw it away. Anyway. <laughs> but we got this playground and we cut it down and the thought was we'll put it up. But you know what? It's not safe. It wouldn't be safe for our kids. And I'm like, wouldn't it be amazing if we joined our resources together and we bought a playground so our kids have a place to play? And you know what? That people, when they come to Firewall, they go, this place loves kids. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could walk into a pregnancy resource center and we say, we're going to buy you a sonogram machine so that a, a, a mom, pregnant mom, doesn't just feel like the only option they have is Planned Parenthood. But maybe, just maybe, we walk in and we invest in a pregnancy resource center so that girl can walk in and she can get a sonogram and realize there's a miracle of God in her womb. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could do that? Wouldn't that be awesome? What if we could just walk in and, and we could support homeless ministry where we're not just like, hey, we're bringing you close. We're going to help you with infrastructure. We're going to build a place where the homeless can come in and they can be given everything they need. And you know what? I can tell you personally, I've been homeless. And if it wasn't for the help of believers who helped me make the break, I don't know if I ever would have gotten off the streets. When believers come together, we can do so much. And really, if we all did it together, it would only take so little. 
from mine to ours. I'm going to ask that we begin to pray that the Lord show us how to have an open-handed approach to life and to this ministry. And in the coming weeks and months, maybe we'll talk about some of the things that we can do together. Amen? All right. And then finally, I'm going to conclude with this together. This is what I see. I see a church full of hungry Christians who just can't get enough. A church that is fresh and alive and spiritually vibrant and life-giving, where there's a real excitement in the air, where we see God moving in power, and we recognize that we, we are desperate. We are, we are completely uh, uh, in debt to the gospel, that we're passionate for the gospel, a church where we're excited to learn and grow and serve, where every Bible study is full, where we're like inviting our friends, where we're gathering with other believers, we're meeting in homes, we're meeting at the church, we're breaking bread, we're sharing Jesus, we're inviting people in. And this church continues to grow spiritually, where we're founded on the four pillars, where we're building it on intentional discipleship and sound biblical teaching and loving community. And we watch as God moves in power. I see a church that is reaching the least likelies with Jesus. Family, I want to encourage you, start looking for the least likelies, not the most likelies or the sure likelies or probabilities. I'm talking about the least likelies. Those people, when you look at them, you're like, <laughs> there ain't no way that person's coming to church. I'm like, invite that person. Because you know what? The, so, the somewhat likely, the probably likely, the people, they probably get invited all the time. But it's the least likelies that never get invited. I'd never been invited to church. Until I was invited. And guess what I did? I went. Any least likelies in here? How many of y'all were least likely? Yo. I see where the Lord adds uh, to this church those who are being saved and growing spiritually. I see a church where God moves in power, where the miraculous happens and we experience and we go, yeah, that's the power of God. We don't take credit for it. It's not what we're doing. It's what God's doing. And family, I just want to say this to conclude this series of messages. Here's the deal. We can have this. We really can. We really can have this and so much more. But the only way we're going to have it is if we're together. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We rejoice in the power of your word, and we rejoice in the power of you, Lord Jesus, to save. I thank you for the powerful work in my life. I am undeserving of the least of your goodness. Lord, I was running as hard and as fast away from you as I could. And you invited me into your family, the beautiful church. Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gather us together broken in need. You bind up wounds and you heal and you give us this honor and privilege of of comforting others with the comfort we've received because you're the God of all comfort and the God of all mercies and we experience your mercy, we experience your comfort and we get to comfort others. You have saved us and now we have the honor of sharing your, your glorious gospel. If you are here today and you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, listen to this. 
Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he is risen. And the Bible declares that all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you desire to receive Jesus as your personal savior right now in the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died for me. I believe you were buried and I believe you have risen. Jesus, please save my life. If that is truly your heart's prayer, the Bible declares you have passed from death to life. You are forever a son or daughter of the living God. Welcome to the family. <laughs> you have been saved. Oh my gosh, Lord, thank you. I have so much gratitude in my heart today for this beautiful church, Lord. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, let's stand together. And that's truth. I have so much gratitude in my heart for you that we get to be together. It's unbelievable. And let's say it one more time for those who are at home. We love you. Now we go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, you are loved. Now let's take that love outside these doors because there are people who need it. Have a great week.